Hi everyone, I'm Jenny Meadows. And I'm Natalie Jackson, and we are both directors of Totally Runnable and Sea Sporty Be Sporty. And welcome to our Sea Sporty Be Sporty Role Models podcast series. In this series, we are talking to some awesome and undisputed role models from the world of sports. Why? Because we are celebrating the launch of our Role Models poster series. We are putting posters of awesome role model girls doing the sports that they love, um, winging their way in front of girls and boys in our first set is going to 2,000 schools, primary schools in Yorkshire. Why are we doing that? Because we know that girls and boys in primary schools still don't see enough other girls being sporty. And if you can't see it, you can't be it. So we are doing our bit to fix that. So my co-host today has already said hi. Um, it's the fabulous Jenny Meadows. Um, world and European medalist over 800 metres, now a retired athlete, commentator, board member, totally runnable and sea sporty, be sporty director, and as an aside, a mummy to be. By the time this podcast comes out, she will in fact be a mummy. So hi, Jenny. Hello, that is very scary, Nat, but um, I love this agenda, so passionate about it, and uh, we've got an amazing guest, haven't we? We have. Our guest this week is one of my absolute favourite people to hear on a podcast, radio show, TED Talk, conference, speaking to the UN, speaking to the European Parliament. She is a fantastic advocate for women in sport. She is a professional boxer and former England footballer, Commonwealth champion, public speaker and founder of the charity and, quite frankly, movement, Pave the Way. It's Stacey Copeland. Hi, Hi, Stacey. Thank you so much for having me. You are I feel so like I need welcome. a big round of applause know, or a standing ovation after wild. that. Woo. That's what I'm used to, to be honest. When I, when I go around Manchester, that's what happens all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry. It's, it should. Uh, it's, it's COVID, COVID. Social distancing still, still hanging over. So we are going to start this episode with a game I'd like to call 11 Things Everyone Should Know About Stacey Copeland. We, I feel like we need a jingle. We do, um, but, um, but my, my face is excited at least. <laughs> so this is all about role models. Everyone is different and that is great. So for this, Daisy, it's a quick fire round of 11 questions. There are no wrong answers. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Cake or pie? Cake. Cats or dogs? Neither. I don't, I'm not an animal person, sorry. <laughs> okay. Invisibility or super strength? Super strength. Warm weather or cold weather? Warm. Love actually or bend it like Beckham? Bend it like Beckham. Yes, I knew someone else would say that. I love that smile. Uh, hot chocolate or coffee? Hot chocolate, I don't, I don't drink coffee ever. Oh, I was gonna put in a third option just for you of hot Vimto. Yeah, because I don't really ever drink hot chocolate. Maybe like one a year, so Vimto. But you do drink hot Vimto, which I've never... I heard that on another podcast. I thought, I need to try this. Digital watch or analogue watch? Digital. Box sets or movies? And movies. Singing or dancing? Um... <laughs> For me, or the other people who are listening, uh, he dancing. <laughs> watching football or watching tennis? Football. Cardio or weights? Cardio. 
Oh, interesting answers. Good answers there. I think like some of them I knew you'd say, but others were, yeah, interesting. Everyone's different. Yeah. And there's no wrong answers. I love it. So now we've learned a bit of that. As ever, I find myself surrounded by inspiring world-class athletes and quite frankly, world-class human beings. So with the two of you on, my burning first question is, if you had to compete in each other's events, how do you think you'd get on? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Jen, Jen, are you any good at boxing? Um, I'm quite feisty. Um, and I've never boxed. Um, sometimes during circuit sessions, I've boxed. And I start off with such a great tempo. And then I start swinging. And I get quite fatigued. Um, it's, it's tough. I actually think my one of my problems might actually be discipline. I think I get too emotionally involved in it and you know boxing you really have to control your emotions so um I don't think I would be that good at it actually no what do you think Stacey any good at the 800 meters I feel like your football pedigree might help I, I don't run anymore because of, of you know so many knee injuries from football um so I haven't run in a, a, it's about just over two years now that I haven't run and I really miss it but um I don't, what I don't miss is when we're on the GB squads for boxing, doing like the four by twos, which was where you just go around the track as fast as you can for two minutes and then you wow. get a minute left and go again. So it replicates boxing. That's actually a good horrendous. end meter workout. That's, horrendous. yeah, I'm that's hardcore. Like the burning in your lungs, your legs, everything. So, uh, no, I'm glad, glad other people do that. <laughs> no, I'd rather be getting punched. <laughs> I'd rather get punched quite, I love that that's quite drastic <laughs> so Stacey you have obviously competed to the highest level internationally at two sports football and now boxing and both were in your life from a young age weren't they do you think that you picked them or did they pick you I think I'd have been into any sport that I got anywhere near um, I think if I'd have lived in a different area um, had different influences, um, other sports have been part of my family maybe, whatever whatever it was that opened those doors, I'd have walked right through them. Um, I think it's just about, you know, the, the, the environment that I was in, uh, which happened to allow me to have the chance to try boxing, which was very rare uh, back then, especially for a female, uh, but because it was in my family, I got to try it. Funny enough, with football, all my family are crap at football, so I, I can't say that was the same influence as boxing was. I don't know what compelled me to go and join in in the playground and stuff like that at school, but I did. So, as I say, one, it was there at school, and I, you know, that was football, and I tried it with boxing. It was very much a family thing, but then I was introduced to a lot of other sports at school and didn't fall in love with them. So, but I think I definitely would have, you know, I, I would have been in sport. Uh, it just was a matter of what that sport would be. And in terms of your, like you say, family setup, your granddad ran a boxing gym, didn't he? That's how you got involved in boxing. Did that happen before the football? Yeah, pretty much, really, because I was, and also because my dad was a boxer, we used to watch Rocky all the time, um, which I just thought it was a, a true life story because I was a kid. Um, and so we just used to watch it all the time and then we'd put the gloves on and be like messing around sparring and stuff so I, I kind of had a, a fun introduction to boxing from being a kid before I actually went into the gym um so in terms of conscious choices 
I consciously chose to go into football when I reached the age where I realised that boxing wasn't legal for me to compete in, which was around 11, uh, when me and my little lad mates who we trained together went to my granddad and were like, right, we're ready to get medical and get our card and all that. And he just looked at me and said, oh, you can't box. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they said, oh, it's illegal for girls. And I just couldn't believe it. But I was a very driven, competitive kid. I was ready to compete. Part of the fun for me was competition. And if there was not going to be that avenue for me, then I knew I had to go into football because that was starting to open up. There was opportunities for girls' teams and stuff. So I consciously chose then to go into football. But in terms of what you love, it's like, you know, like my boyfriend, like a... I don't know what made me love him. I really don't know what made me <laughs> No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're going to use that as like a uh, soundbite. That's going on there, on the social media soundbite. What makes you love who you love? You just you just do, don't you? I mean, I don't know. So, yeah, but I consciously chose football at that point because I wanted to compete. And would you say you had role models in football at that point? No, not female ones. I had um, male footballers who I... Uh, you know, I, I liked the way they played. And when I'd be on the playground with mates, I'd be trying to obviously replicate the goals they'd scored at that weekend or I'd be trying little moves they did or whatever. So I'd certainly say they were, um, you know, pe people I wanted to, I wanted to copy what they were doing. Um, but I, in terms of role, I wouldn't say they were role models and I'd, there certainly weren't any females either in boxing or football back then. Stacey, what I seemed to kind of, yeah, stand out to me is how self-driven you are. Um, what I don't know where that comes from. Like the confidence as well. Like I would have loved to have met an 11-year-old Stacey Copeland who was told she couldn't box and you're like, what? And then you were like, okay, I'll just go and do something else. Like I'd love to have had a conversation with you at 11 and seen what your kind of thoughts were. See, I've wondered, it's a great point that, because I've wondered loads of times about other people, where does this come from? Like, because it, obviously a lot of parents, well not obviously, but a lot of parents have contacted me and said, you know, they've got a son who loves ballet and they're being picked on and they've given up. Or yeah. a daughter who has tried football or this and that and, and also been uh, called names or whatever, made to feel bad and they've given up. And I thought, what what is it that makes some people keep going and others give up and yeah. I don't know where that comes from I think you can certainly develop it if you've got good mentors and guides and stuff that can help um and you can if you're prepared to learn from these experiences you can develop it but it, you know when I think back to being that seven-year-old who played in my first game you know it was just thrilling to be on the pitch and play my first proper game of football with my primary school team I just couldn't believe it I was so excited and then you know when during the game, a parent and coach on the other team realised I was a girl and they were shouting across, whoa, get, you know, get her off, da, 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 and, and they made me leave the pitch. And it just felt awful. Like, leaving the pitch was like, you know, I felt like a weirdo, like a freak or something. But I just didn't give up and it didn't actually cross my mind. Instead, it was like, right, I have to find a way. And I just went home and I was like, mum, you're going to have to cut my hair short. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, I, I need to pretend to be a boy. And she was like, Why? So I, I need to, I want to play football. God knows what, what where that comes from, but I'm, I'm glad it does because at least, you know, and obviously our job, all of our job now is to try and make sure kids don't want to give up because of that kind of thing. We want to remove the other. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully, the, the, you know, thankfully there are people who push through those barriers and, and have, 
over many, many, many years, long before us, and we, that's whose shoulders we're standing on now, isn't it? That's what I love about you, Stacey, that you are... You were the child that I never even thought about being. I my, I was a big Man United fan growing up. My walls were covered in posters of Man United players. I loved football. I lived and breathed football. I was the kid who would get the football magazines, study them because I knew I needed to know more statistics than everybody else because I was going to get questioned more because I was a girl. But it never crossed my mind to play football. I never felt, you know, at the time, if you'd have said to me, like, are you discriminated against? Would you feel like, I'd, I'd, it just hadn't crossed my mind. But I wasn't that kid going, you were, you were doing it. You were, you were out there playing. But you also didn't, that having to cut your hair short to play wasn't you changing. You were like, okay, well, I've got to do this for them, whatever. I'm still me. I still want to play. I love that. How much do you think that impacts on the work you now do with Pave the Way? Because you're all about gender stereotypes never being a barrier to potential. And you're, you're, those gender stereotypes, for you, they weren't a barrier. You are an absolute role model in that. Well, it's, it's massive for me. And I think because I, I realised over the years how much I had to unlearn uh, falsehoods that I've been taught about women, uh, particularly women in sport. But... Uh, uh, you know about me as well um, and you know when I when I had my hair cut short and I first went back to school and started you know obviously went just went back to doing my thing playing football in the playground and wherever kids started saying why do you want to be a boy I was like I don't want to be a boy and then they were saying oh shim she male this that and the other and to the point where I'd obviously ended up questioning myself thinking right I just thought this was like just a, an obvious solution <laughs> um, and actually now Am I a weirdo? Like, what is wrong with me? Uh, do I not want to be who I am? Am I, am I trapped in the wrong body? Am I, do I just not fit in with anyone? Like, what, what, am, what am I? And actually, there was, there was none of that. I was just a girl who was happy being a girl. I just wanted to play football. That was it. But, and it seems ridiculous, but because the, the messages from society were not saying that, I was like, right, what is wrong with me? There must be something. And it took me a long time to unlearn the things that I'd been taught there was something wrong with me wanting to do that and then later I was taught that women's sport is not as good it's the other it's inferior and these messages were reinforced again and again and again and that's the bit that I feel so driven and compelled to try and do something about because since you know over the years I've 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 learned about the history of women in sport uh, I mean running what an incredible example running is I mean we weren't allowed to run more than 200 meters yeah. we have business with the marathon because our uterus would fall out and whatever <laughs> insane, insane isn't it <laughs> but this is the thing about pave the way it's question it challenge it change it because quite often these things have been ingrained in us for so long i never questioned it i just accepted i love doing women's sport but it just isn't as good we are not as good i am not as good i just accepted it and it reached a point where i started to question and think wait a minute though <laughs> where's where's this come from like what when i started looking into it um and imagine if someone would have questioned that before it and said, do you know what, actually, people, we do we do actually, you know, manage to get a small human, but a full human through there. <laughs> like, we can probably run without other stuff falling out. <laughs> <laughs> like, it that was all the one person to say it and be like, well, I've yeah. actually, the baby came out and nothing else. So I, I think we're probably all right doing a bit of a jog. 
And then, you know, obviously get the barrier. And that's just one sport. That's without going into all the ones we've been banned from for such a wide variety of ridiculous reasons. So, yeah, I had to unlearn all of that. And I'm I'm eager for young people not to have to unlearn all that and just to know the truth from the beginning. That would be great. It's a great term, isn't it? How you say we have to unlearn. And I absolutely love how you've termed it, you know, question it, challenge it change it I I just want to like close my eyes and think about those words it's 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 the process how we do it but it takes you know I don't know whether you feel you're a role model I'm sure me and Nat certainly thinks you do it it takes somebody like that you know Nat's give her example of she never even thought about playing sport I remember being really good obviously at athletics at school and just being mortified having to walk up in school assembly to get a certificate um I just wanted to be normal I was like embarrassed of my talent so I think I I think again stereotypes you know and I'm absolutely ashamed to say this but I always used to like have my hair down all the time and be brushing it I almost didn't want to tie my hair up because I was like, I'm going to look sporty if I tie my yeah, hair up. Absolutely. I was kind of trapped between what I love doing and then actually maybe having to conform. But what I find really refreshing and really unusual, and that's why I was saying, you know, whether it's a seven-year-old version of you or the 11-year-old version of you, that you are so strong-willed and actually so kind of unique in you just thought, this is what I want to do and I've got the power and this is just the solution um it's crazy that other people made you question who you were and I'm just really really grateful um you know as Nat said you know I'm about to become a mother I'm so grateful that there's people like you who's just you know been prepared to be who you are and and again I love you know everything that you do that that paved the way again it says everything that we need to know about what our responsibility is now. Um, I'm just in Because what's so sad is the, you and I can do things like this and have these conversations and we're asked about these things on podcasts or whatever medium it is, because we did go on and do it. We did carry on. And what's really sad for me is, I mean, thousands, you're talking a lot of people who never did, ever. They never even got to pursue those dreams or... I'm not, I'm not talking about Olympics, you know, it's great if you do that, it's brilliant, but we all know sport, whether you work in sport or whether you are an athlete, it just enriches your life. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, it's one of the most powerful things on the planet for having a positive impact on people. It's an individual, like a, a, a family, a community, a society. It, it's incredible what it can do and what it does for women manifests in all that other aspects of society. So it's, it's so important what it does and the thought that people never get to do that and then the equivalent in engineering or law or whatever else it is they want to pursue and they don't get to do it because of stereotypes is just awful to me. I think it's just really sad. And that brings me to my question then because I I love what you say about question it, challenge it, change it. I feel like there have been times in my life where I've I look back on them and I wish I had questioned it or challenged it 
and then I would have been able to change it. And I, I'm th- it makes me think of a particular example where I was on a panel a few years ago and there was me and Rachel Yankee, who at the time I think was the third most capped England player of all time, male or female. And then there were a couple of, of men on the on the panel and, and one of them was brilliant, but the other one um, clearly didn't know, know as much as, as maybe the rest of us about women in sport. And a question came up and someone in the audience said, um, this is for uh, Rachel and Natalie as a woman, blah, blah, blah. And I don't even remember the rest of the question, but all I remember was we were sharing microphones and this chap sat next to me, took the microphone and answered my question. And that has been my one moment when you say challenge it and question it, th- th- I, I'm back there. How do I, at, at the time I did nothing. I looked, I just looked and I thought, I don't know how to, how do I, give me some advice. At that point, or at a point when anybody listening is in that situation and they hear something that they know isn't right and they know isn't okay and or they want to they be a role model for children that are with them or how do we challenge that? I think that's a great question. Um, what I would say is that the, the most important thing, obviously, it needs to be a safe environment. You need to feel safe to do it because these things can happen in all sorts of places. If you're in a bar people have had a drink, sometimes it's just not worth it. So it's, it's a, obviously safe space first but then I would say you have to be ready um and also I think we don't all have to feel the responsibility and the weight of having to be a spokesperson for all women in all sport everywhere and I think that's unfair sometimes when that's put on women you know and and I'd say exactly the same no matter what group you represent you know we, we like to categorize people for whatever reason so whether you're, you know, an athlete from, um, you know, a minority group, if you're a black athlete or an Asian athlete or you're LGBT or a disability athlete, whatever, it shouldn't always fall upon you to have to, you know, speak up because it's exhausting and you won't always want to. Sometimes you might just want to get on with your sport and do your best and that's it. And that is absolutely fine. So I'd say not everyone has to feel the weight of that. Secondly, you do have to feel ready. And I'll give you two examples for, for me. Um, so as a 16-year-old, when I got my very first England call-up, I got the letter. They'd probably get an email now, whatever, but I got the letter with, um, like, and it had the three lions on, and, oh, my God, I was just beyond excited. It, and I think every athlete feels like, no matter what you go on to do, even if you, you become the most, you know, decorated Olympian ever, I'm sure those people remember that very first England call-up or whatever. It, it's just so special. And I got this letter and I was working in like a factory type wholesalers place at the time. And I went to see my boss and I said, I need a week off. Um, there's nothing left on the rotor. And he said, what do you need it off for? So I gave him this letter and I was just like stood there really excited. And he didn't really say much at all. Uh, and then he said, right, do you want me to give you a week off to play for a women's football team? I said, well, it is the England women's football team. And he, went, oh. and he made all these jokes and these innuendos and these... And I said, look, it, it really means a lot to me. Can I just take it unpaid? Well, if you want, signed it off. I walked out of the office feeling small, um, insignificant, um, ashamed of who I was, what I was doing. I felt like an idiot for thinking it was such a big deal. I was like, you idiot. It's not, it's not the England football team. It's the women wow. England football team. I didn't tell any colleagues I was going. I didn't tell any friends. Um, and that's because I wasn't ready. Uh, partly because I was very young and I didn't know anything about women in sport. I didn't have any role models. I'd never heard anyone say, well, that's rubbish. What are they on about? Do you know what I mean? I, I hadn't. So 
how could I know? I didn't have the, the language to articulate it or anything. Didn't have permission for myself. Nothing that I needed in my toolbox. I didn't have any tools to deal with that. So fast forward, uh, really, 20 years um, to 2018 when I won the Commonwealth title. I went all the way to Zimbabwe and didn't get a belt. And that conversation went very differently because I felt like that 16-year-old again, except I wasn't. Um, yeah. I was made to feel that way again, but it was, th th this time I was a very different uh, woman in that conversation. I was a grown woman for a start. But also by then, I've unlearned those things. I believe in what I'm saying. I'm passionate that I'm I'm right, that, that women are worthy and deserving of a place in sport and so on. So when I didn't get the belt and I came back and challenged that with, questioned it, challenged it and aimed to change it with the Commonwealth Boxing Council and was told to do replica belts for women and real belts for men and they'd stop making the replicas. I was like, wow, why is that? Well, well, there's more money in men's boxing. I said, I know, but you should have given me the choice even to pay for it with my own money. I'm never yeah. going to get that moment again of having that belt with my coach. And, like, and it, that wasn't even the worst, but it was when I got to the airport and I hadn't had the heart to tell anyone there wasn't a belt and they'd all come to surprise us and I didn't have that belt to share with my loved ones. And it was like, honestly feeling like a, a second-class citizen or a not as good as human being or something. It was awful. And so I explained all this to him. I said, right, how quickly can I have a real belt? And he said, well, you can have one within a couple of weeks, um, but they're quite expensive. So unless you've got a sugar daddy, you probably won't be able to have one. Um, and that conversation from there went very differently. I was no longer that apologetic young woman who went away feeling bad about myself. Um, you know, I'd stood up for what I believed in, but you have to be ready to do that. So I wouldn't feel bad about that anymore because yeah. one, it's not all down to you. Two, we can't change everybody. Um, I can't change every person like him behind that desk. It's our job to make sure and what I would focus your thing on now, Nat, rather than going back to that and feeling bad, which you understand why you do. I think everybody that you interact with now, particularly young people, you and I have got the job and Jenny of, of trying to make sure any young person that comes out of an interaction like that or any age can, you know, obviously it's going to impact you, but not feel ashamed of who they are, still feel proud of who they are and what they do despite those views of others. And I didn't, as a 16 year old, I completely absorbed it and internalized it 100%, but later I didn't. And that's because of the experiences I'd had and because I unlearned those things because I had no reason to disbelieve him. I just thought, of course, it's not the same. Why did I think it was such a big deal? Well, because it is. Of course it is. And that, I mean, I think even about my two-year-old Lexi, she'll run around the kitchen now and cheer and say, whoa, I've got the winner's cup. Like that's your that's your thing. You can't have no no belt. That and why would anybody think that that was appropriate? But it does need, like you say, like it blows our minds that it needs challenging. But of course it does. But thankfully, you then get you do make the progress, and then you know there's something else maybe needs challenging, but it's something different, and it's it's progress, isn't it? I'm glad you had that experience because it was a bad one. But some, we have to look at. That's how I framed that belt. I was really bitter yeah. about it and really upset about it. And I, I, there will be a part of me that always is. But I'm also glad it happened to me. And I'm glad that happened to you because clearly we're the people to try and do something about it. So good. And what happens now? So the the women that have competed this year, or I don't know about COVID this year, but the women competing now, do they get a belt? There was, um, it was funny you asked that because it was probably six weeks ago now and there was uh, a young boxer, uh, Amy Timlin, who's just from down the road, actually, um, who and, and another British fighter who boxed for the Commonwealth title and uh, me and my boyfriend were watching it and um, 
they, they sort of came to the ring and somebody had the belt in the ring and I was like oh my god that and obviously it's not the same one because there's one for each weight category but it's the women's commonwealth yeah. title belt because obviously that's what they agreed to do after that conversation I said that can never happen to a future female champion amazing so you need to make a women's title belt and they did and it was it was there and it was like wow it's just exactly what we had to do so oh yeah I've got goosebumps even thinking about that that's that's incredible that you can actually sit on your sofa at home watch that and know that's happened because of you and, and it nobody... doesn't even matter if nobody else knows because look at all the things we've benefited from from yeah the, you know so many men and women who've come before us who've made our opportunities possible the best we can do is make the most of them and pay it forward and do our bit for the next generation as they did for us and you know that's what we're all doing literally paving the way so we don't have a massive amount of time, but there is a story that I heard several years ago and I haven't, I haven't prepped you for this, but I heard you speak several years ago and you told an amazing story about your niece wanting to be a mermaid. Could you tell us that story, please? Yeah, this, was, uh, this is the niece who's now 10, but um, she was uh, a lot younger than, I think she was about four, it was ages ago. And I was at her school event and the teachers were asking them what they wanted to be. And she said two things. And they said, all right. And she said, one, I want to be a mermaid. And the teachers were like so excited. And they're like, oh, Ariel, she's beautiful. And she sings and da, 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 da. And they were just really, really buzzing that she wanted to be a mermaid, which is fine. Like, if she wants to be, that's up to her. She doesn't anymore, by the way, but she did. <laughs> and then and they said, what else do you want to be? And she said, a boxer. And just their faces dropped. She may as well have said, I might be do a bit of shoplifting, burglary joyriding you know it was like it was like shock horror that she'd said this and they were like a boxer and she was like yeah my, my auntie's a boxer and she pointed at me and I was like and they were like oh and she went yeah she's been to Korea and next she's going to Japan and she was going on about this and they were looking at me and I was like yeah it's true and it was remarkable to me that obviously they hadn't they haven't meant it, but without meaning to, they'd kind of sent my niece a social cue that yeah. it was all right to want to be a half woman, half fish, mythical creature that doesn't exist in our family. <laughs> Few weirdos, but no mermaids. Yeah, it wasn't all right to be a boxer, which actually is now more and more and more so, but already a legitimate life. Yeah, that is, the, that is the yeah. actual thing that's achievable out yeah. of the two. Um, wow. But you know what? How amazing is it that your niece has got you as a role model to actually go, no, that's possible. A four-year-old is actually reversing the learning lesson there to say, no, 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 this is, this is what a story. It's so important. I love that story. I hate it, but I love it. I love that you're able to tell it. So final question really on, on role models then. If, let's think about your nieces. Let's think about children that, that we know because I think that's where it starts, isn't it? We can obviously do these big things in our jobs and in the wider world, but the children that we know, if you're thinking about your nieces, if, if we use the tagline, if you can't see it, you can't be it on, on these role models posters. If you, what would you want them to see in you that they then felt able to be for themselves? Um, just themselves, to be honest. I know that seems very, very simple, but whoever they are truly and who they want to be, um, you know, they might, I mean, people, I guess, would assume I want them to go into something that challenges gender stereotypes and do something male-dominated. I don't. I just want them to be able to do what they want, but do it with integrity and try and make a positive difference 
as they're doing it, whatever it might be, music, might be working in a shop, they might have a talent for something, I don't know yet, they're still little, but I just want those barriers to be removed, you know, I want them to, and that's really what I think parents want for their children and, you know, grown-ups in society want for the next generation, or you'd hope so, we want it to be better for them, we want to, we want things to improve, and I think when it comes to social stuff, as humans, we, we do figure stuff out, don't we, when we got cars, we realised quite quickly, all right, we need some kind of system when we reach a crossroads and we've invented traffic lights. That's incredible. Then we realised, oh, actually, when we have a bump, people are flying three miles out of the car. So we invented seatbelts. We're really good at coming up with solutions. We're incredibly adaptable, but we need to do that with social things as well. And I think we've realised there are some stereotypes and some ways that we've got in existence that are actually harmful, not in a physical way, but they are harmful in other ways and we have to figure out how to break it down. So yeah, whatever they want to do, I just really want them to pursue it with the, the whole self and not feel held back by anything. I think that's the ultimate for anybody really is that they feel they can reach the potential, whether that's the, the class and the background that they're from, the way they speak, the, you know, the fact that the, the girls, whatever it is. And um, my love for them is not like anything I've ever known. Um, it, I haven't got my own children, but they are my entire joy in my whole life. So they're a massive inspiration for me to just try and do better for, for me, for them and, and, and everyone, because you just want it to be a better world for them, don't you? What a way to end our podcast. Where can we find out more about what you're up to, Stacey? Um, just on my social media. We haven't, we, we're just in the very early days of Paved the Way at the minute. Um, we're still waiting for our bank account to come through. That's taken ages. So it, we, when I mean basic, I mean basic. So just having all the workshops and stuff, setting things up. So um, it's just best to either go to my website or my social media. And I share things about Pave the Way there anyway. And if anyone wants to get in touch or I've got any questions, I'm dead happy to um, help, or, you know, in any And what's your uh, at? At S Copeland Boxer on Twitter and at Stacey Copeland Boxer on Insta brilliant and obviously you are a pro in the podcast world tell us what other women in sport podcasts our listeners should be listening to uh, women who sport is a really good one that uh, rugby players uh, rona lloyd and sarah bonner have done that's really good um then there's tough girl challenges which is really good that my friend sarah williams runs and that's not sport as such, but it's women of all different backgrounds, ages and everything who've done incredible challenges. So it might have been cycling across continents or, you know, big walks or whatever it is um, that have overcome, you know, big physical challenges. And I think that's a, that's, that's a really good one as well. Uh, Sportspiel pod is good, although it's not focused just on women. Um, you know, they do have a lot of female athletes and they're massively supportive. Um, obviously, Game Changers, Sue Anstis does, is, is really, really good. She... Uh, has interviewed some you know fantastic women um there was one more i was just going to bring up but it's just gone out of my head i'll have to think what that last one was oh um the performance podcast that tammy parlor does from the women's sports trust that's really good also fab brilliant stacy thank you so much for joining us to talk all things role models thank you jenny for being my fabulous co-host you have been listening to the C Sporty B Sporty podcast role model series, celebrating the release of Totally Runnable's role models posters. Join Totally Runnable for more of the same. We are at Totally Runnable on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and wherever you get your podcasts. Bye! If you know a school who might like to know more about the gender sport gap and what they can do to measure and start to close it, 
they should be a part of Totally Runnable's Girls and Sport Pledge. It's completely free to be a part of and includes some brilliant resources to start your school's gender sport gap journey. Just go to our website at www.totallyrunnable.com or Google Totally Runnable Girls and Sport Pledge or email me nat at totallyrunnable.com. Oh, 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 o